to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. I'm your host, Latarius R. Whitfield. How y'all doing, Word of True Church? <laughs> so listen, are you still shacking up with us? If you're still shacking up with us, why don't you go and hit that subscription button and subscribe. Make sure you turn on your notification bell so you'll be notified about upcoming episodes. So listen, Pastor Evan was like, you know what? We had a meeting this past week. He said, you know what? You know what would be really funny is if I bought you a Gucci shirt. I said, you know what? That would be real funny. That would be hilarious. I mean, my God, that's the best joke anyone has ever pulled on me. That would be amazing. So... So that's what he did. So in his absence, his shirt is making an appearance. So so I just want y'all to know that. So listen, it's been an honor to have, uh, to be invited to do this with y'all. And I have an amazing panelist today. Uh, I have my buddy Rodney and Carlin Manuel. Give it up for them, y'all. And I have Deontay and Erica Miller joining us. Now, it's very, very intimidating to be in front of a group of people and transparently share your story. And on the Dear Future Wifey podcast, uh, the platform, we keep it lit. We live intentionally and transparently. And so I always honor people who are able to walk in their transparency and their truth. And so today, we're going to talk about some things today. Ah, see what I find so honorable about this moment is oftentimes in churches, we don't get a chance to really talk about stuff that we are really, really dealing with. And we feel like we're all alone dealing with these struggles. And how many of you married people have gone through some things in y'all lives? Y'all, y'all have gone through some things in your marriage and, you know, um, let me ask y'all, have y'all ever been on the brink of divorce? Anybody? Just testimony time. Did y'all ever feel like y'all was going... Some of y'all partners like, oh, for real? You want to divorce me? So that's, so that's what we're doing? So listen, uh, we're going to talk. So um, I was thinking about the topic of today's episode. And today's episode is going to be titled, Why Do We Cheat? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to go there. Is it all right? For, can, can we go there today? So, so we're the true church. Do I have permission to just go there? Can we talk about some things today? Uh-oh. All right, so we might as well go here. So listen, we're going to jump right on into this real quick. So have any of y'all on this panel, Rodney, uh, Carlin, Erica, Deontay, have y'all ever dealt with infidelity? Yes. Yes, we have. Yes, yes. y'all have. Y'all have. Uh, which, one, which, which one of y'all, let me ask y'all, out of, out of Erica... <laughs> That's what we're doing. That's what we doing. We might as well just do that. We might as well just do that. Erica, Deontay, which one of y'all, which one of y'all stepped outside y'all marriage? That would be me. That would be you. That would be you. Uh, let's talk about that. What led you to seek outside attention when it wasn't being fulfilled in your marriage? Uh, for me, um, it was never about really what my wife wasn't or wasn't what was not doing. Um, I was broken, man. Um, I had masked a lot of stuff in my life just as a man. Um, it's one of those things where you're not taught to be emotional. You're not taught to communicate. You're not taught to be vulnerable. Um, and so for me, even in choosing her as my wife, I always say like she cultivated the, the good parts of me. Wow. But Talk about it. Because 
I was afraid of those insecurities. I hid and lived under this mask. And that stuff, you know, play in the background in the, in, in the dark spaces, and that's where the enemy lives. Yes. And so outwardly, everything looks good. But inwardly, um, at home or, or inwardly, I would say, it, everything wasn't so good. Um, so it's easy to be critical in that environment and say, well, she don't do this or she don't do that, right? To kind of rationalize my thought process to do something that I know isn't right. And so those insecurities, those those deficiencies in me, yes. is really it was the corporate that led to my indiscretion. That's good. See, I love when people can take accountability for their actions and you are able to go look back and realize that brokenness that led to infidelity. So, um, Erica, how did you deal with that? Um, but before we start, we're going to put context around it because sometimes when you talk about infidelity, you may think that it just happened last week. You know, uh, and if it happened last week, I promise you they wouldn't be able to sit here and talk about it today. <laughs> and so uh, sometimes we try to give our testimonies before we're actually healed from it. And you find yourself bleeding on people. Um, and so that's the reason why I wanted a healthy couple who have gone through it so that they can actually have a testimony behind what they've been tested. So, uh, Erica. What, what did that feel like when you found yourself violated or betrayed in such a way? Um, well, of course, it's devastating because, um, like he said, he I wouldn't say my husband sent a representative, but he's known as just the good guy. So it didn't align with, you know, who he had been for the past six years. Um, but the way I got through it um, was. Pastor Evan actually was involved, and so, you know, he talked to him a few times, then we talked to him together, and uh, he was like, I ain't no counselor, so I'm going to send y'all to counseling. I went to counseling. We went to counseling for two years straight, weekly, every week, um, not just to fix our marriage, but to fix ourselves, because yeah. I brought some stuff, too. You know, I had daddy issues. I had all this other baggage. So, um, I wanted to be okay for me. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to be healed from that, but also the stuff that I brought in. Cause I came in a little broken too. So we went to counseling. I definitely got a little closer to God. You know what I mean? Cause you need, I think you need a little bit of both. You need a little therapy. You need a little Jesus. Yes. Um, yes. and so that was, that was how I got through it. But I could see that he really had a readiness to change. And so that's what made me be like, I'm gonna ride it out. You know what's so amazing? This is something I want y'all to pay attention to. Pastor Eben said, I want to send y'all to professional counseling and therapy. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times in church, we try to throw Jesus on everything. And yeah, we know Jesus can save, set free, and deliver you from any situation. But there are people that God has designed uh, to really get deep that have a therapeutic background. And Absolutely. so one thing I definitely uh, want to honor Pastor Eben for is having the wherewithal and not to allow his ego to get in the way and be like, well, no, I can help you. I can pray over you. But to, to, to plant seeds and actually invest in that emotional healing. And he actually sponsored y'all's therapy session, he did. didn't he? For yeah. two years. Every week. For two years, every week, every week. And so around that time, y'all were around what age? 25. 25, 25, 25 yeah. years old, going to therapy. And it takes a lot of, you know, a lot of men, I'm telling you, I'm a, I'm, I'm a culprit in that, is that I was really not open to therapy. I was like, man, those people don't know what I'm going through. 
You know what I'm saying? They're like, yes, they do. They do this for a living. Ah, but they don't know about what I'm going through. Right. You know, that, that ego, that fragile masculinity that gets in the way of us actually seeking the help that we, that we truly need. So uh, I honor you, King, for having the wherewithal, even at that young age, to actually submit yourself in a place that could provide healing. Oh, Rodney. How you doing, brother? I'm good. You good? Yes, sir. So listen, when uh, Rodney wanted to be on the podcast, he wanted to submit his video uh, to be on the podcast. And old Carlin uh, was a little defiant uh huh, in uh, submitting their video. Uh, uh, Carlin, why were you uh, apprehensive about <laughs> submitting your video? Honestly, it was a couple of things. Number one, we came through and we're friends, you know, with all the infidelity challenges that we had. But we were still working on communication at a high level. So for us, when I need to talk to him about something serious, I have to, like, go fast and pray. (laughs) (laughs) I got to be ready because he's going to, you know, not be ready to talk because he want to hold it all in. Because he thinks sometimes that um, if you just let it go, it'll go away. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. never happens, right? It's just become bigger issues. So... I have to be ready, guarded up to do that. But what happened was we ended up in counseling. And we had... in counseling right now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Put the microphone close to your mouth. Amen. Yeah. Keep it close to your mouth. But but can I say this? Counseling is not bad. It's it's actually... It helps you solidify your marriage. 100%. It helps you, you know what I'm saying, make your foundation, your base of your marriage stronger. And it gives you clarity that when you can sit in front of somebody who, you know, veterans in the marriage, it kind of give you clarity on where you where you trying to be, where you trying to get to. You know what I'm saying? So and the, the C, training. The C word ain't bad in marriage. Counseling. So Carlin said, I don't want to be on this panel and find out some new things about you, old Rodney. <laughs> So that's, that's, that's basically what she said. She said, uh-huh. she said, listen, I don't want, she said, we need to go talk about whatever it is because you don't like talking. We're going to talk about it uh, before we get in front of a bunch of people because right. she's going to show all her emotions on her face. Yeah. And so these yeah. couches will be getting turned over. Flowers yeah. will be all thrown out to the audience. It'll so, be so we want to make sure we provide a healthy environment for people to all heal. We don't want to. Well, I've seen triggers. your show. <laughs> and if you say one thing, you're like, hold, hold, hold on, let's unpack that. <laughs> so I don't want to unpack anything in front of you guys that we haven't unpacked at home. <laughs> Amen. Yes, glory. Communication. <laughs> so, so, Rodney, how long have y'all been married? Uh, November would be 24 years. 24 years. 24 years. And so how many years were you married uh, before you decided to step out? Um, I was, I'm 52 now. I was 40. You were 40. So we was 98. So about 12 years ago? About 12 years, yeah. So 12 years ago. uh, What, when you look back at that moment, what caused you to step out and cheat on your wife? Well, like, like Deontay said, I had a lot of, I was emotionally immature. Talk about it. You know, like the, like the word said, when I was a child, I thought as a child and stood as a child. But when I became a man, you know, I put away the childish things. But I equated that to being emotionally immature. It didn't have nothing to do with age. 
You know what I'm saying? And I had a lot of side, like she says, it's hard for me to talk. So I had a lot of silent arguments. Like, I'm quiet, not sharing it with her, but the devil, he thumping my head, making my, making my thoughts feel like, I mean, making his thoughts feel like they were my thoughts. So yeah. it, was, it was real. So I'm just like, and even I had a lot of issues from childhood growing up to where feeling inadequate, you know what I'm saying, and, and stuff like this. So I feel like what's the purpose of me saying how I feel if it's not going to be respected or, or accepted or, or dealt with? So I just kind of just acted out, bro, like, like a kid. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm acting out. You see me acting out, so show me the attention I need. Basically, mm. you know what I'm saying. Mm. I'm acting out. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Carlin, how did you deal with that? <laughs> we were a hot ghetto mess. I'm just going to be real. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't cute at all. Because, honestly, he was in the midst of his stuff when God started talking to me. Because when he first started all of this craziness, I didn't even know we were in a fight. Right. When it all unfolded, I was just like in deep water. Right. So I was angry. And when God told me what to do, I didn't do it. He told me not to leave. He told me to treat him like he didn't do anything Mm. and to continue to have sex. Mm, That's a hard one, huh? All of it was hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All of it was hard. And I was angry about it. Right. So the fights that he had in his mind at first actually became truth because now I'm not meeting your needs as your wife because I have a hard time being open with you because you've been quiet and lying and sneaking and I didn't know how to deal with that because I'm open and honest. I don't have a hide in me, right? Yeah. I I, I live lit transparently all the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's my lifestyle. But I didn't know that he had the struggles that he had because we got married so fast, right? And when so you say I, fast, how, how fast was 10 it? Ten months to the day that we met to the day we said I do. So when you say that's fast, what makes you feel like that's fast? When some people may look at that as meeting a guy that was very intentional, why do you say that that was fast? Because I didn't know the childhood baggage. So y'all didn't really get deep. Y'all didn't have really... Uh, substantive conversations where you really felt like you knew him? Well, we had conversations, but I was 25 years old, divorced with three kids when I met him. So there were other things that had my attention. And at 25 years old, if you don't have anybody navigating you on the questions to ask or what to look for, you're going to miss it. So at 25, you had already been divorced with three kids. How how long were you married uh, the first time? (laughs) <laughs> the first time, yeah, we dated when I was 16. We got married at 19, right? Um, we probably stayed in the household married maybe a year. But it took me six years to get rid of him. Took you six years. <laughs> I would like to unpack that, but since we're in church, I'm not even going to touch that. Rodney, just shake your head. Just nod your head if you know why it's a long I'm time. Not, I'm not blinking, so I'm no, good. <laughs> so, you're good. So, you were married, and um, 
in our pre-interview, I found out something interesting from you. Did you ever cheat on your first husband? I did. And what led you? Put your microphone close to I mouth. did. Yeah. I need you. <laughs> it's testimony time in the church. Stand with your chest. What made you step outside of your marriage? Again, I was young. And when he cheated, I told him, thank you for letting me know. That's, that's what we're doing. <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> That's what the old folks say. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Yes. Never knew it that minute until right now. And I never fought him or complained. Now, he was abusive. I would fight back. But he wasn't somebody I would talk to and just be open with because he was a very violent person. Right? So, but I wasn't ready to leave because I had kids. But I wanted my needs met. Right? And I was a young woman, you know, dysfunction and all that good stuff. Didn't really have a Jesus consciousness. So when he opened up that floodgate, <laughs> he opened it up. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened to where you didn't get even this time? I fell in love with the Lord. It wasn't like I'd be cheating on him. I'd be cheating on him. Talk about it. One of the most painful things that my ex-wife told me, uh, I was married two weeks shy of 10 years when I got divorced. And uh, when I stepped outside of my marriage, I cheated on my uh, wife several times. And, and I wanted her to get even. I just wanted her to get evening because uh, misery loves company. And I didn't, want, <laughs> I didn't want to be the only bad person. You know, I wanted her to be, I'm like, see, told you, you just like me. But what she told me broke my heart. She said, I said, did you ever want to cheat on me? She said, yeah, I want to cheat on you, but I never want to become you. And at that moment, I knew that she had a higher level of accountability. She had a higher level of integrity. And that was one of the things that, that resonated with me is that I cheated because I had a lack of integrity. I cheated because I had a lack of discipline in my life. And so um, that's what this journey has been for me as I journey to discover, uncover, and recover love is to heal that broken boy in me, to, create, to, uh, to help heal uh, that level of that lack of discipline in my life and to actually walk in the fullness of God so that no matter what happens in my next marriage, that I'm solid, I'm 10 toes down on the word of God, and um, I don't project what somebody projects on me and I'm able to operate in integrity. Huh. So, Erica, how long were y'all dating before y'all got married? Uh, we dated um, for about six years. We started dating when we were 18, like freshmen in college. Freshmen in college. Mm -hmm. What made you, because oftentimes we always hear about uh, the man proposing, but there's also an acceptance in that proposal. Um, and we don't really talk about that. I see a lot of videos on social media where these guys get down on one knee and they propose and a woman tells them no. And I'm like, I don't know how you didn't see that coming because because <laughs> I don't know how you should do some trial closing. Like I, I've been I've been in sales. And so yeah. in my life, you have to trial close. So what made you accept his proposal? Um, like I said, like most people who know Deontay is like he's just a good, solid guy. 
Um, but there were certain things that I saw in him that I didn't see growing up. Like, you know, he had a, a two-parent family, and so I could tell he had the aptitude to be a good father to my future children, which he is. You thought about that in your 20s? Oh, I'm an old soul. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, you know, I was like, okay, you know, he has the aptitude to be a good father. Even though he says he was emotionally, like, quite not there, it was more than I'd experienced as far. So yeah. I was like, okay. So I saw a lot of existing characteristics that I knew could grow further. And so I was like, this relationship can have some grit. It can withstand, you know what I'm saying? Like, not just potential, but some existing characteristics that he could build on. So that was, that was enough for me. So, Deontay. Now, I'm finna, this is, this is, this is going to be a little foreplay moment for you, praise the Lord. Why did you marry her? Well, for me, I said it briefly, but there's a few things. The, 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 the main reason that I married Erica was that, again, she, she highlighted, she captivated the good parts of who I was. Mm. But I will say this. There's, I don't believe in love at first sight, right? I don't believe in that. I believe that with my children, but this is something that I had to grow to. Because remember, as a man... Naturally, my heart is closed because that's the way I'm raised, right? And so I feel with my heart the same way women feel about their bodies. You just don't give it to anybody. Talk about it. And so with being with her and growing with her and seeing some of those things that she pulled out of me, my heart began to open, right? I I knew God back then. I knew, you know, I had laid it out. I want my wife to be this. And, of course, this all this goodness gracious, you know. (laughs) But... At the same time, God just, you know, he he spoke to my heart in them, in them moments and said, hey, this is okay. This is who you're supposed to be with. I always tell her, if I don't do anything else, I know the day that we got married, when I said I do, even if this doesn't work out, I made the right decision with the right person. Woo! I would have to agree with that. She said she would have to agree that he made the right decision. No, that I felt, no, no, no. I felt solid in my decision. Granted, I was very young and kind of goofy, but I felt very at peace about my decision that you day. You felt at peace. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. I've, talked, I've spoken to people in the past that said they knew even on their wedding day that they had no peace. That they were walking down the aisle saying, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Wow. So you said... And this, this is something that's very, very important, especially from a man's standpoint. You said the way that women are, and I'll say typically are, about their bodies. Um, you, as men, we're that same way about our heart. Um, unpack that a little bit. Explain why it's so difficult and so challenging for men to open up from a heart space. Well, because, again... Even starting in childhood, man, we're not conditioned to be expressive. Matter of fact, we're taught to bypass anything that we feel emotionally. Yeah. Right? And so we mask all of these things in our life. And so we, at a very young age, we learn how to compartmentalize. Yes. Right? We say, hey, if I can just tuck this away in this box and keep everything the status quo, everything at peace, I'm good. That's why I cringe when I hear guys say that are married and say, hey, as long as she happy, I'm happy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that a That is myth. so dysfunctional. Yeah. Because if you're not good as a man, guess what? You can't be good for your wife. Talk about it. Talk about you it. You can't. And so for me, with my heart, I knew my heart was closed. 
Some of it was by the example that I had. Some of it was by the way that I was raised. And then some of it was just my insecurities, man. My lack of vulnerability, lack of vulnerability and my just not being emotionally intelligent. Let me ask you men. How many men can admit that you have a lot of insecurities? So when women, when y'all look around and y'all see that men have insecurities, a lot of times we don't talk about that because it makes us feel weak as a man. It makes us feel like uh, the big thing on social media, you a simp because, you, you know, you're admitting to your insecurities or whatnot. Uh, and, it's, and it's so crazy because at the end of the day, we all struggle with certain insecurities. And the marriage, the, the marriage bed is the place to where we're supposed to be able to lay our swords down and say, here I am, I'm naked and unashamed. Here, here, here I am. But we are having physical sex with each other and making love to each other physically, but can't make love to each other from a heart space. And that's what's missing. Wow. That's, what, that's what's missing. So... Rodney, how do you feel? No, let me ask you, why did you marry her? Because I saw the, the independence. Is Rodney trying to talk like Barry White or something up in this? <laughs> no, it's just, that's, well, yeah. that's, just, that's just that bass, man. You no, Rodney trying to be bass. sexy all on the, we in church, Rodney, we ain't on the, on a radio show. You, so, uh, I'm trying to, trying to be all sexy. I'll just, I'll just, all right, bro. Whatever. I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. No, I'm good. So, so why'd you marry on Carlin here? Because she, to be honest, she was a she was a challenge. Mm. Oh. She was a challenge to me, and she actually, when we first met, she made me nervous because she she actually looked me in my eyes like, "What you want?" Like, <laughs> and then I I was like, "You making me nervous," so I got up and left. And, and I honestly don't know how we even exchange numbers or even got conversation. But the, I, I, I respected the, the, the mother that she was to her kids because when, we, when I met her, she already had kids. So, and she was real independent and strong. And, and you know what I'm saying? Just Hold on. You talked about some stuff that some of these new age men are intimidated by. Because there's some stuff going on these social media streets with these red pill communities. They just don't like a strong woman. These men are just, they flimsy dudes. I don't know what's wrong with them. I don't know what's wrong. They are intimidated by the strength of a woman. And that's the thing that I find the most sexiest about a woman is her confidence. So you tell me, why were you attracted to her based on her strength and her confidence? Because I saw something in her that I didn't have in me. Lord and Jesus. I knew that she she was the one to help me get to that level in life that I wanted to get to. Woo! You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you recognize that at that young age? Yeah. Because y'all got married around what, 25, 26? She was 25 and I was 28. You were 28. Yeah. And you recognized that in the 25-year-old that she had something inside of her that you needed in order to get you to death do we part. Yeah, because she knew who she was. Woo! Wow. And, and, she, and she, she stated that fact off top. Like, this is who I am, and if, if you want to be with me, this is the level you got to come up to. <laughs> and I was like, okay. You know what I'm saying? So I was with it. I was with the challenge. Ooh, he said he was with that smoke. So, 
and I was okay if he wasn't up to the challenge. Talk about that. Why? Because I had already had three kids. I had already been married. I know that I didn't want a bad marriage again, right? Mm. So I know what a dysfunctional, crazy mess of a marriage relationship looked like. And I wasn't willing to walk into that again. And like what he said when I first met him, he was in another girl. I was over my cousin's house hanging out with him. And he was taking home um, what looked like to me his child to his mother, right? But it turned out that he just got attached to the baby and it was an ex-girlfriend. They had been broken up for about a year. But that doesn't look good. <laughs> he's like handing his kid back and he knew my cousin before he knew me and he was like who was that with you James Baker like that and I was like if you want to know my name talk to me Woo. right and yeah. I walked on to my cousin's house because I was like the nerve right can't <laughs> <laughs> y'all tell she's a handful huh <laughs> and Rodney loves it boy he do <laughs> but you I know what? It. I'm made for him. Even when we went through our challenges, after talking to the girl, I'm like, I'm anointed for him. So anyone else that would try to fill these shoes or sneak around with him, you're setting yourself up for failure. Come on. Come on. <laughs> yes. And I'm not jealous. I'm not making sure he don't do it again. I'm not doing any of that. I'm living my best life. It's the confidence for me. <laughs> when you know who you are and you know who God is, that's how you can walk in confidence. It's confidence. And that's what's so beautiful about it is that you said, I ain't running around, sneaking, going through his phone. I mean, you ain't going through his phone, are you? I did go through his phone. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it now, but I, when all of that unfolded, I gave him the opportunity to talk to me because I know how I'm made up. I'm like, either give me the phone or be honest. And he wasn't forthcoming all the way. So not only did I go through his phone, I went through his Google, I went through everything. <laughs> I did, and I make no bones about it. I'm not even ashamed of it. No, that's because, your man. Because I was ready to leave, and God interrupted me and asked me, what if I want you to stay? And I was like, why do you want me to stay with him? <laughs> he broke my heart, and you knew he was doing it, and Ooh. you never said anything. Ooh. See, doesn't that cause a shift in your relationship with God? Yes. When you say, God, I'm serving you, and, and I, I talk to you, why aren't you talking to me about the very thing that's the most important thing around me, which is my husband? Right. So why, why don't you uncover him for me? So how did you end up finding out about it anyway? Uh-oh. Is this... Is... He had a secret phone uh -oh. that he had for years, right? Because <laughs> our stuff was for years. It wasn't a matter of weeks or months. Our stuff played out, right? Because uh, he, was a, he's, he is a truck driver, so you can hide when you're not at home, right? Um, the lack of character and Honestly, I believe if you're cheating, you have low self-esteem. Yeah. Right? Because why do you want to uncover yourself like that with multiple people? And if you love yourself, you don't want to share yourself like that. Talk about it. pieces of yourself, giving it everywhere. Facts. You know what I mean? That's Facts. low self-esteem. It's By nature, just in doing that, you need healing. 
There it is. Right. I forgot the, where I was going. I don't know, but it sounded good anyway. I'm like, you ever, ever menacing me? I got low self-esteem now. No. You're ah. whole. Yeah, we, you're we whole. Low self-esteem people. We need to get. No, you're whole. And I say that because we were going through so many things that I didn't even know we were going through. Yeah. yeah. So we was unpacking so many things at one time. And like I said, we went through a span of years. By the time I actually found out with the phone dropping out of his pocket. <laughs> or it dropped out of his pocket. Yes, he forgot it. He had had this phone for years, and it fell out of his pocket. The Holy Spirit just made it fall out of his pocket. Yes. Here's, here's the deal about the phone, right? <laughs> God told me, he said, you expose this or I'm going to expose you. Talk about it. And I, I ignored it. You know what I'm saying? And, and coming home from work, like, was just tired, just, just dog tired, forgot the phone was in my pocket. And my other phone rang, and I re- re- look went in there to pull it out, and the other one fell out. I was like, I can't say what I right said. Right in front of me. He can't say but what he said. <laughs> I'm just going to let everybody think think it. You know what I'm saying? I can't say what I said, but, and he was just like, hey, there it is. You know what I'm saying? So. He 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 warned me. I'm and, telling and you, God, God will always give you warning before destruction. Amen. He always will. He's because he's a gentleman. Yes. See, that's that's the part that we don't want to talk about is how gentle God is with us. That he'll he'll try to give you an opportunity to be transparent so you can expose yourself. Because the minute that he has to expose you, oh, you don't want the aftermath of that. And it feels as bad as it is, as bad as it is to actually tell your spouse that you are uh, cheating or you are unfaithful, that spouse would respect you a whole lot more than them having to find out however they found out. They would love for you to be, because at that point that they know, you know what, you have a level of morality and a level of conviction that's operating in your heart because now you are confessing it. But now they have to deal with, you was never going to tell me until... The, the, the woman called me or the dude ended up calling me because there's a lot of women that I've met that, that, that step outside their marriage too. They just, y'all just a whole lot better about keeping the secrets. Y'all a whole lot better at it. And so, <laughs> y'all could be amazing. I get a lot of DMs from people who are struggling in their marriage. Uh, uh, women telling me that they've cheated on their husbands and men telling me that they've walked in the bed and saw uh, their best friends sleeping with their wives or whatnot. Stuff that they can't really be vulnerable with anybody about because, you know, that's how do you talk about that stuff? But the first thing I tell everybody is tell your spouse. Like if you're, if you're, if you're stepping outside your marriage, and I'll tell y'all in this audience right now, is that tell your spouse because healing can't begin unless you first uncover yourself. You know, you can't, you got to clean the womb out. You, if you go to the doctor and you have a gunshot wound, the first thing they're going to do is extract the bullet and then they're going to clean the wound. But, but a lot of us are trying to heal with the bullet still lies in our body. No, that's not going to work. And what's going to happen is they'll find that if you try to heal, if the wound heals with the, with the bullet still inside of you, it starts moving around as years go by, and it can cause more damage later on than it could have done when it was just extracted at the beginning. Come on, somebody. So go ahead and uncover yourself. Uncover yourself. Um, how many years have you been married now? Almost 24. Almost 24, like you said. Y'all about to celebrate in November, y'all 24th wedding anniversary. Uh, and how many years have y'all been married? 
We've been married 13 years. Uh, we'll be married 14 in March. 14 in March. Has marriage gotten easier? Immediately, yes. 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 100%. It's what? Like after year five, it, it, we kind of hit our stride. So what made it get easier? If you go point, if you go pinpoint, what made it become easier for y'all as a couple? What would you say? Um, I think if we circle back to what Carlin talked about is that communication. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Me and Deontay, like, I'm not going to say we joke about infidelity, but it's something that we definitely avoid because like Carlin said, get back. That's the thing too. I didn't do it, but I thought about it. You know what I'm saying? And so now we're very honest in our communication. Deontay will take the long route at work and avoid a group of women that he feel like, they on some bull, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And we talk about that, you know what I'm saying? So communication just got better, which opened the door for a lot more vulnerability and just honesty. And so I ain't going to say it's easy, but it's definitely a lot easier than it was back in year one and two. So, Deontay, you said you'll take a longer route avoiding the group of women. Mm-hmm. What made you start doing that? Developing that accountability in my life. Mm. Um and I'll, and I'll kind of make this brief and tell this story. Um, when this happened, um, she left for a couple of days with my baby Bryce, who was not even a year. So I'm young. Um, of course, my marriage is in shambles. I'm broken. And I remember her leaving, and she went away for a couple of days. And yes, we hear God will cover you. He will give you grace. But you can't control the consequence of that sin, right? She has a choice whether or not to stay or to leave. So I'm kind of just in this space of vulnerability. And for the very first time in my life, remember, we don't know how to be expressive emotionally. Matter of fact, I didn't even really know how to cry. Mm. But I knew that day what the difference was between crying and weeping. Because I wept to the point to where it was unconsolable, uncontrollable, and I felt like all of that garbage in my life just started to come out. Talk about it, King. And in that moment... Two things happened. God, I have, that was the very first time I heard God speak to me so clearly. And he said, your whole life, you have been trying to earn my grace and I've given it to you freely. And in this moment, I'm going to show you just how good I am. He said, all I want you to do is keep putting that right foot in front of that left foot. And as you're putting that right foot in front of that left foot, he took me to Psalms 147 and 3. And he said, I will heal the brokenhearted and mend all the wounds. And so I just kept walking, and as I kept walking, he started healing and restoring me, and then he brought her alongside of me, right? And so now, as we're moving forward, even in our relationship, he keeps that mirror on me. Yes. Right? He keeps it on me, and he shows me my blind spots, right? And so now I know how to show up in those conversations. I know how to show up and be intimate and be create a safe space for her, Yes. right, to where now we don't talk at each other, we talk to each other. Talk about it. Right? I know what makes her tick. As before, I was just going based off of what I knew. But when God is leading you, man, he tells you the very depths of her heart. And because of that, now our marriage is a whole lot better. It's a whole lot better, man. When I say that's so important, if we as kings knew our position to be leaders that we cultivate that relationship. Uh, I remember year seven of my marriage, I said, let me trace the etymology of husband. Let me find out what husband is. We take these vows and we don't even know what these titles and positions. 
is um, you go get a job. They're going to give you a job description. They're going to tell you this is what our expectations of you. But when I took the role of husband, I didn't know what that meant. And so I traced the etymology of husband and it meant householder, one who holds his house together, a husband, one who bands his house together. And so what you were talking about, Deontay, is that when you took this leadership position, she couldn't do nothing but follow. And so oftentimes we are asking our women to submit, but we have nothing for them to submit to. We're, we're, We're begging for submission, but what are they truly submitting to? And, and women have this innate thing. They're seers. And so you take a woman into a house, she's going to make it a home. And so we saying, hey, we want you to submit. And they're looking like, I would destroy myself submitting to you because I don't even like the way you're moving. Like, like you're going to run me straight into a wall or off a cliff somewhere. And so what's so beautiful about what you just said is that you had to, that God had to put a mirror in front of you. And show you you for the very first time in your life. And now as he reflected you to you, now you're able to uh, reflect his heart to her. And now you're able to lead her and guide her. And now you're having a very beautiful, thriving marriage. So salute to you, King. Rodney. So you say you have, she still says that y'all struggling with communication issues. Do you agree with that? Uh yeah, <laughs> on on the one to ten, we we had a we had a seven. About seven. What do you, you say, Carla? I agree. You I go, agree. You agree about seven? He's at a seven. <laughs> I'm at a seven. Yeah. What? Well, let me clarify this. I'm at a seven. Yeah. Okay. I communicate openly. <laughs> you have no problems communicating, huh? No. So Rodney, why do you feel that it's challenging? To communicate. And let me tell you this. A lot of men struggle with that. That's one of the main things I hear from women is that men just don't communicate. They just don't communicate. So why do you feel like you're challenged in the communication department? Because I, my, my favorite analogy is this right here. We all men want to be Superman. We want to be Superman. But I'm learning that, you know, Clark Kent. To her, he he he's sexier than Superman. So, if if I'm if I'm being vulnerable and open and honest, that 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 makes our bond more stronger. That makes our yeah. our friendship stronger, our relationship stronger. We're able to laugh and, and 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 you know get along better. We don't have these silent awkward moments. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm vulnerable right now. <laughs> 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 but I mean, <laughs> if I'm if I'm uh you know what I'm saying just honest man if if I'm in fear I talk about it if I'm if I'm worried I talk about it if I'm stressed I talk about it I don't I don't have to be you know what I'm saying Superman for her I, I I'm Superman when I go out in the world you know what I'm saying so and to all the fellas I want to say this right here Superman knew his kryptonite. Mm. You know what I'm saying? He did. That's that's why my boy took that circle around the females. He know it's kryptonite. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and, and it, it's good to know what your strengths and your weaknesses as a man. And mine, my strength is I'm knowing who I am now. Yeah. You know who you are now. When did that transition occur? It occurred when I accepted responsibility for all the ignorance, you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, of the past. 
because God forgave me, my wife forgave me, my kids, you know, they forgave me. I, I, I talked to them individually, you know, from the foolishness. Wow. And, and nothing really, I, I never really got solidified in who I was until I accepted responsibility and forgave myself. You That's what, what I want to hear right there. <laughs> Your wife could have forgave you. God is going to always forgive you. Your kids are resilient. A lot of our kids will always forgive us. But the hardest thing for us to ever reach is the ability to forgive ourselves. And I was glad that you said that, uh, uh, acknowledged that you needed to look in the mirror and forgive yourself. Why was it important to be, uh, forgive yourself? It was important because Romans 8 and 1 couldn't took, take effect. I still was condemned. You know what I'm saying? And also Psalms uh, 23 and 3, my soul couldn't be restored. Mm if I didn't forgive myself. Because, um, you know, every day we look in the mirror, all we see is ourselves. And, and, and it, pen, it depends on what you see or what you say kind of determines who you are to yourself. It don't matter who, it don't matter what everybody else think. You know what I'm saying? It's what you think of yourself. Right. You know, and every day I, I look in the mirror, I say, I love you, boy. That's good. And I'm, <laughs> hey, look, and I'm gonna do what's best for you today. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I am, bro. So you actually look in the mirror and say, I love you, boy. Every morning. That's good. That's good. That's those affirmations. Um, why is it, it, it is crazy because oftentimes we get married, but the greatest enemy is sleeping in the bed with us because we're fighting. We, we get married and try to make it difficult for the other person uh, unconsciously. Uh, let's talk about those moments that y'all have had. Uh, were those moments, that y'all ever have moments early on where y'all just felt like y'all were sleeping with the enemy? I wouldn't necessarily say that I was sleeping with the enemy, but I would say I had moments where I said, man, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> right? Um, I, I, being young, I mean... You know, because a lot of us, a lot of times we go into relationships and we go into those relationships selfishly anyway. 100%. Right? We go in there thinking like, what am I going to get out of this? Yep. And this should be the other way around. It's like, how can I serve my wife? How can I serve my husband? Yes. Right? And so I wouldn't say she was the enemy, but I can tell you that I stopped looking at my wife as a liability and started looking at her as an asset. Woo! That changed my whole perspective of... Hey, is this going to work? Yeah, it's going to work because she make up the difference that I don't have. Talk about it. Right? I can only give you 80%, but her 20% represents my uh, full 100%. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. yes, I had those moments, but, you know, you got to, like he said, like, like Rodney said, man, you got to mature. You have to look at yourself inwardly, and you got to be honest with yourself and say, hey, what am I contributing to the benefit or the detriment of this relationship. Yes. Period. And finding yourself. Find out who you are. A lot of men don't know who they are. We yes. have a distorted image of ourselves, and we live our life through that filter. Yes. But when God reveals the, and unmaks you, man, I'm telling you, you are more of a king than you will ever know. Yes. Yes. And that's what helped me. But no, she wasn't the enemy. No. Erica. Not at all. In those moments, did you ever feel the moment when he uh, stepped out that you felt like you married the wrong person? I did not. 
But I did feel, so I don't know, everybody in here, Mary, you know, romance is not, it's not always present, right? right? And so during them couple years, it was rough. And so I really had to lean on the friendship that we built. And it was like, don't touch me, but you want to watch Martin? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and that's, that's right. You hungry? You want some fish? You know? And so we really had to lean into the friendship. Like, that's a, that's a major part. I met him when I was, what, 15? You know what I mean? And we didn't start dating until 18, got married at 24, 25. So I really leaned into that. And like you said, focus on yourself. Because this could go either way. He, had, he could leave if he wanted to, too. Yeah. So I was like, let's focus on myself. Let's, let's at least maintain this friendship and, you know, with parenting. And So I wouldn't say the enemy, but I, I was mad. He wasn't my boo at the yeah. time. I was <laughs> yeah. real mad. But we got back. So when you talk about, you, you touched early on about your own brokenness and trauma that you brought into the marriage. Uh, do you want to unpack that? What are some things that you had to overcome in order to create intimacy and vulnerability uh, in your marriage? So what I realized is I came in, in there with the mindset of no man will ever put me first. So I didn't, like I said, I don't come from a two-parent household. You know, I had a mom. She was single for a minute. She got married in six weeks. She got married in six weeks? <laughs> yeah, but they married lasted a long time, decades. Um, and they solid. I, I come from a very blended family, but I always felt like I was just being shifted around. Like, she get married, so now I'm here. He got his own kids. Then my daddy get remarried. But everybody deserves to search for their love, too. And right. as a kid, you don't understand that. Right. So I came in and was like, we're well, going to see what he's going to do. You know what I mean? And so that's why I was checking phone bills and the T-Mobile log and all of that because I already came in there with this mindset of... Oh, you was doing that before you ever stepped out? You was checking T-Mobile log? If you do anything that's a little bit off, if you say you've been at home for, you know, you know, a long time and your, the hood of your car still hot, you lying. I, I didn't know that. You lying. <laughs> I, I, listen, this... this... This news to me, I didn't know that. Free game. I ain't know none of that. You know what I mean? So if any little thing is off, I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I was just searching, but you know what I mean? I just didn't you, come you, in. Hold on, you can't say I didn't say I wasn't searching. You walking in the shower, talking about, uh, why, you don't normally take a shower this time of day. Why is it water on the, you over? Somebody lying. But... <laughs> So I came in with that really broken mindset when it is possible for a man to put you as priority. You know what I mean? Like, he, if he tell you his hierarchy, he going to say, it's, it's my wife, it's my kids, it's my family. You know what I mean? And yeah. God is at the top. You know what I mean? But I didn't, I didn't think that that was possible for me. You didn't think that was possible. And that's interesting because we come into these relationships projecting our insecurities and any little red flag, we call it red flag, but it's just learning. You know, everything isn't a red flag. You got two different people from two different backgrounds, two different upbringings. You know, that's a red flag. You know, it's like, that's not a red flag. So you, no, you, you, you're loud. You're talking to me loud. That's a red flag. You're like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just talking. I just get excited. I came from a family. See, that's a real thing for me. I grew up in a family where we just talk loud. We just loud. Everybody just talk over each other. We loud. And so then I met a woman. When I got married, she's real quiet, and she talks like this. She's like, you're just so loud. And I'm like, am I loud? I just, <laughs> you're hollering at me. I'm not hollering. I'm, I'm not hollering at you. I'm just trying to. <laughs> that's so loud. Yeah, so I'm like, so I'm like, so that's the thing. You may look at it like, oh, it's a red flag. He, he talk loud. He's going to hit me one day. No, I just talk loud, you know. And so the reality is that 
we grow together. And that's the beautiful thing about marriage. You said that the 20% that I'm lacking, she makes it 100%. And that's 100% of what you need. Not that the 20 plus 80 is 100%, but that 20% is 100% of your need. Oh, well, I can preach on that. Anyway, let's go here and talk about this real quick. So when you begin to, um, as y'all been going, begin to go through y'all's journey, uh, 24 years in, uh, a lot of times people that may be on year one or year two can't ever see year 24. What would you say to encourage them to see year 24 while they're yet at year one or two struggling? Well, one of the things that were crucial for us is that we had older couples that we talked to. That's good. That's one thing. Um, and by the time we got together, I had found Christ, right? So I was putting all that energy in my relationship with the Lord. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when we got married, it was crazy. Because, see, for us, it probably was the first seven years that was hell. And I'm just being real, right? Yeah. So... Um, well, I want to touch that. I did a TED talk about that, uh, about seven years. The seven-year itch is real. So when you make it past year seven, it has a tendency to start getting a little bit better. But seven years, even outside of marriage, that the year, when you get to about seven, you start struggling with, uh, even if you bought a house, you made yeah. a big purchase, you start having a little bit of buyer's remorse. Right. And so, uh, uh, and that studies that traces all the way back to 19. 50s or whatever. Uh, it was a movie that came out called Seven Years, uh, Seven Year Itch with Marilyn Monroe or whatnot. And so you said the first seven years of your marriage was a big uh, was a big struggle. Yeah. And uh, but you said it was hell. But we're gonna say struggle. Um, <laughs> I you did. said you said it was a struggle. And so what <laughs> happened after that that started changing the tide? Honestly, to me, looking back, nothing. Nothing changed? And I'm going to say why. I'm going to tell you why nothing. Because by the time we hit infidelity real hard, we was married 10, 11 years. So for me, year seven started kind of, I just had a switch in my mind as far as where our marriage was concerned. But the um, honest truth is how much better could it have gotten if he was struggling the way he was secretly. Right. Yeah. So I think for us around and we got married 1998, we've always been like friends hanging out and all that good stuff. But 2016 is when everything just hit the fan and either it's like we're going to make this happen or we're going to do something different. Right. I'm not going any further with you in this. Right. And the Lord had already told me to stay, so I went, like, on mission, get him to make a decision. But I was giving him struggle. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Yeah. And so he never knew what he was coming home to because I had went on a war path with him just because I was tired of him not talking hiding what he was going through, not really being fully present in the relationship, right? So either you're going to commit or you're going to go. I'm fine either way. I want him to stay. I love him. You know, I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm going to hurt if he stay, if he, you know, yeah. continue this way. Right. And I'm going to hurt if he leave, but let's start the process, whichever, whichever, which one that is. And so 
I just gave him hell. I did. I did. I just gave him hell. Either you're going to. I can see that. Yeah. I, I could. <laughs> and I made I, a conscious. I feel, I feel a hell-raising yeah. anointing over you. Yes. Yeah. Hallelujah. I feel it. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> but in honesty, because I'm open-hearted. Yes. Right? I don't you love hide. hard. I love very openly. Right? And I don't expect anything out of you to, except to be who you are. Because I'm going to show up as who I am. And so when he was still not wanting to communicate, not showing up present in a relationship, it just I just started acting crazy. I'm, I'm just going to tell you the truth. And um, I, honest to God, I'm glad I did it because what I do know, in order for him to stay through that, then he, he got to love he me. He got to love you. <laughs> He gotta love you. He has to love me. <laughs> so, after 2017, we've been blessed. That's good. Yeah. That's good. And, and, and I, I say honestly, it's just like she she was hell. I was. Okay, but I created it. Yes. Ooh. So as a man, I said, Ooh. okay. I, I created this mess, so you know, just like a kid, you get in trouble, you got bent over, you got to take your whooping. Yep. And, and that was part of the whooping. That was part just of the whooping. <laughs> getting back in line, you know what I'm saying? Because if I hadn't created the mess, no. you know, it ne- it never would have been. There me. it is. I love that, King. I love that. Love it. Love it. Accountability. I love it. Well, listen, man. I want to thank all. I want, man, y'all. Wasn't this amazing? Wasn't this amazing? Man. Listen, it takes it takes a pastor that has vision and insight to allow something like this to happen. And so what I love so much about I'm about to choke up, I'm about to cry. What what I love so much about Pastor Evan is that when I met him, it's like I've always known him. Uh and God has a way of answering prayers that you thought, like I prayed earlier this year about wanting to do a tour and go around the churches everywhere. And then Pastor Edmund was like, out the blue, he was talking. He was like, you ought to come to my church and preach. I said, preach. He was like, yeah, you're a preacher, right? I said, well, I used to preach early on when I was about 19, 20, but you know, I don't do that. He said, once a preacher, always a preacher. (laughs) And and I was like, well, I don't know about that. He said, he said, well, I said, you know what I could do? I I would love to uh, bring my podcast to your church. He said, oh, that's even better. Let's do it. And I was like, wow, you know what I'm saying? And um, for him to trust me in that capacity, or even more so the trust of God in me, to trust the anointing, to trust what God has been building uh, through me, I just, I just honor that king uh, for doing that. One thing that I want to leave y'all with as a married couple is I find a lot of couples that just don't kiss anymore. So I want to give y'all a kiss challenge. I want y'all to turn to your, your, your mate right now and just give him a little kiss. Just give him a kiss. Because, yeah, give him a real quick. Give him a kiss. Because at the end of the day, whatever y'all are going through right now, that, 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 that symbolic gesture that was just had right then will create a moment of conversation later on where you say, you know, I kiss you, but you know we ain't good. You know we still ain't good. Now, I don't want you letting that Latera think of everything good with us right now. We got some things to talk about. But at least... Y'all can start talking and having those conversations. Uh, it's an old saying that says either, you know, boo-boo or get off the pot. 
you know, and that's pretty much what it is, is that if y'all going to stay married, stay married, but have a thriving, happy marriage. Or get off the pot. Don't just make each other miserable when the kids are seeing y'all miserable and depressed and sad. Love each other. Love each other. Y'all are each other's greatest asset. The Bible says that one can chase away a thousand and two can set 10,000 demons to flight. That means that y'all have the capacity to do 10 times more than what I'm able to do by myself. So, so use that power. Use that authority. Use that anointing. Um, what God has birthed out of me that I'm launching on October the 1st is this. A lot of people ask me, how did you get to the place of being lit where you can just share your truth and share your honesty and walk around in transparency? Uh, how do you ever get like that? Because it was only reaching that point that allowed me to walk into the fullness of who I am. And so I'm going to be launching a course on October the 1st. Um, and yeah, Becky, run the video, run the promo, please. How can you evolve to the state of mind you openly confess your faults? Healing. Imagine a life where you are unapologetically.